at some point we are going to have to do a whole show about how good this show sounds. Monkey spanking, I've been voodoo lounging up outside the blanket. Back to the fact that I relax. I'm more wild than a child up in Michael Jack's lap. Now you're envious of what? These big old nuts. One bust dust, the other pump rust. So with the audible smoke, signal rock, flick a bust. Time to shine around them ladies, I'd be like, Why the downtown clubs keep taking my dust? A chicken as she cross the road because she goes wherever she clubs. And late at night, y'all can cry for a miracle. Dance around the flames of the shadow beat ritual. Arrive my mechanical snail All the way to hell And while we're on the way Can we stop off at the brass rail? Why so I could blow the rest of my man? A girl's a shake tail Cause you know it never fell On the wrong station, fucking deuce. Sleep deprivation, we can When we die, now let's all get high. Fucking deuce. Sleep deprivation got me on the wrong style, rocking on the wrong station. Fucking deuce. Sleep deprivation, we can sleep. When we die, now let's all get high. In the wind in the city of sharks And with the broken hearts And then the rap race Falling on your fat face Out of place, Bay area Mass hysteria Bad taste Microclimate The streets of Oakland It won't stay silent Got me split wide open Jumping off the Golden Gate Into the ocean Cause I can't relate To all my people in the city San Jose All the way to the real nitty gritty It's a tough titty Make my attitude shitty But fuck your pity All my peoples are your me Where you at? Stone the E Wholehearted Retarded artifacts On the wrong station, fucking deuce. Sleep deprivation, we can sleep when we die. Now let's all get high. Fucking deuce. Sleep deprivation got me on the wrong style, rocking on the wrong station. Fucking deuce. Sleep deprivation, we can sleep when we die. Now let's all get high. Sleep Deprivation by 
FTB. Welcome to Down Ballot. We do the show live for the time being anyway, 8 p.m. Pacific Fridays right here on Twitch. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, head on over to twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia and give us a follow. If you don't use Twitch, I guess uh, go to youtube.com slash echoplexmedia and give us a follow so you can one day watch the show after it happened instead of listening to it. But I don't know. I'll probably get kicked off of YouTube pretty soon. Fucking we're, we're, we're in dire straits. Much love to Twitch. Uh, you can give us money at patreon.com slash echoplex and you can join the discord at discord.me slash echoplex. We're trying out the new discord feature called stages this evening for our remote ends. So if you see DJ Bob hanging out in a stage room, you can jump in there and uh, hop on during the post game. We'd be happy to hear from you. And uh, yeah, I'm producer Dave and you can find me damn near anywhere. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? This is the councilman. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, thanks so much, Producer Dave, for picking me up last week. Um, it was a very, very rough week, and I was not able to make it on the stream, but I'm uh, absolutely positive it went fantastic. Uh, but I'm back again, again, again to cover the local derp, all the derp that fits. You can find me at T-H-E underscore Councilman on Twitter, and uh, head over to echoplexmedia.com, and you can find me at some other spots over there, and definitely give us a follow, give us some shill bucks, uh, and, and support all of the great shows and all the great streams that, uh, that we provide on a nightly basis and sometimes a, a daily basis. Yep. Uh, a couple quick notes, uh, tomorrow night as Echoplex sessions, um, we may or may not do an open, uh, kind of open panel for content creators beforehand. I will be, uh, overhauling all the software here tomorrow during the day. So, uh, Ooh. yeah, new, new, new versions of everything kind of came out all at once. And it's like, ah, it's a good enough time for some, uh, system wide screen spring cleaning. Um, just want to quick announce if people were watching the uh, humanist community Silicon Valley Sunday forum that's still being broadcast but it's being broadcast on their Facebook page now I have a regular work shit and I have kind of a standing meeting uh, Sunday early afternoons so that's just the way that goes and uh, fucking Sunday night is the Plex 7pm Pacific our weekly news roundup uh, Media Wench has some places to be this week, so she won't be uh, anywhere to be seen on this channel. So no uh, Meltdown Monday, although I may go uh, live later on Monday night for some night Twitch. And uh, I'll be joined on Thursday by DJ Star and DJ Kenzie Fires for uh, <clears throat> Satans and Thetans. But instead of our usual programming, I think we're going to do three fucking episodes of Fire by Night. And so that's going to be a lot of fun. People really like Fire by Night. And thanks everybody for hanging out last night. Thanks to everybody who hung out with me on this show last week. The uh, the the graph did this thing where it just does this, I guess, the whole time. So that's good. That's always fabulous. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we're just going to get right to it. Uh, we got our it. story for leading off. We got two stories actually. One of the stories is: Are we opening up too fast? Uh, the experts seem to think so. Let's find out uh, what uh, NBC Bay Area has to say about it. Parts of the marina where you go and wonder what pandemic. It's young, it's affluent, and all year people have been gathering in relatively large numbers here on the green at the beach at Fort Mason. But now, as we are fighting to return to normal, experts say this fearlessness could set us back. All around San Francisco, spirits seem to be up. Starting to feel hopeful. And people's guards seem to be coming down. If you walk along any of the parks in San Francisco on weekends, you know, there's big group gatherings. People don't have masks on. Though health advisors say COVID-19 won't disappear. I'm asking you to just hold on a little longer to get vaccinated when you can so that all of those people that we all love will still be here when this pandemic ends. 
people's concern over the virus may be vanishing. I mean, we wear it when we're required. <laughs> Natalie and Ryan are visiting from Denver. There's two different sides of the spectrum and no in-between. You either don't want to wear your mask or you really want to wear your mask. So it just kind of depends on who you are as a person. Experts say people's decision to remove their masks in recent weeks is a combination of pandemic fatigue and vaccine confidence. And in some cases, especially among the young, a belief they could weather the virus. People are sort of like, I'm now just going to go maskless and cross my fingers and hope that this works out. Clinical psychologist Andrea Zorbas says despite more than a dozen states showing an increase in cases and nearly all states reporting new variants, some have essentially forgotten how bad things were just a short time ago. Maybe if there was more images on TV of, of people being sick with a new variant, people can really focus on an image. That's the psychology around how our memory works. And their lack of fear has others, still following guidelines, a little nervous. Not on an individual level, but as a whole for our community and society, I don't want to go back to a lockdown. In San Francisco, Lily Tan, NBC Bay Area News. I think that report left out something really important. There's also <clears throat> a non-insignificant contingent of conspiracy theorists who just won't wear the mask regardless. And never have. Yeah. And now they feel a little more emboldened because um, we are getting vaccinated and we are getting uh, to, you know, seeing some sort of light. I don't know if it's the end of the tunnel or a train coming down the tunnel, but uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're embracing the, that attitude. And I think they're winning over some converts amongst these, uh, so I like that, that split household. You're either with the mask or you're without the mask. And her, her boy was definitely not masked, not feeling it. And she was definitely feeling the mask. So even within households, you've got divisions going on. I like how she was like, there's no middle ground. And it's like, no, nobody's like excited to wear the mask. That's like a, it's like a thing the conspiracy theorists say too, is that like, oh, you know, you just like the mask. It's like, yeah, that's why, that's why we were all wearing them before we were, uh, you know, asked to by public health officials because we just love that shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love it. The good wife and I love it just because we can sort of talk shit to each other while we're out walking the dog and folks don't necessarily know if we're talking <laughs> or if we're the ones saying anything. So that's kind of nice. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think anyone is really excited about this. I never, I always sort of laughed at the folks that would walk around wearing masks because of, you know, pollution or whatever. Um, uh, particularly Madison Starman. Yeah, no, not, not specifically her. Um, we laugh at her for a lot of reasons. Um, but yeah, I've, I still mask up. The, the good wife and I were lucky enough to get our first dose vaccine this week. And even when we get our second dose, we're still going to be masking up when we go out until this thing is done. Because we, you know, just want to, uh, if anything, just want to sh show some solidarity with the rest of the community and show that, you know, we're all taking this seriously. Well, it also, we like, if, if it was like, oh, if you've been vaccinated, don't mask up. But if you have do, then you're just like creating like. I don't know, you're creating like a, a public health problem or a public policy problem now because then like a person at a store, they're like in a position now where they're like, no, I just want everybody to wear a mask until this is over. And then people come in all while the fucking government says I don't have to wear it. And right. it's like, you know, for as far as policy goes, until until we reach like kind of a, a critical mass of vaccines, the, the masks are with us. That's the only way yeah. to do it as far as public policy goes. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's been kind of cool. I, mean, I figured it would happen sooner, but you know, it's kind of this, it's becoming like a fashion statement, right? Everyone's got their own little personal style with their mask. And I even saw some company today, they're selling like little mesh 
things that go inside the mask, right? That give you some space so you can like, you know, it doesn't cause lip versus mask abrasions. Um, so there's all sorts of ingenuity happening out there in the world, um, which I figured would happen a little sooner. But um, so if you, if you invested in, you know, Zoom and uh, WebEx and, and some sort of mask company, some sort of PPE company and Moderna last year, you're doing pretty well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Although Zoom is garbage software. Uh, have you been vaxxed yet, Pusher Dave? Nope. Uh, it's looking like uh, maybe April 15th, April 16th, something like that. Excellent. Well, that's, yeah, so it seems to be when we're, we're going to have the 16 and up availability in California. So, um, yeah, and everyone, if you're using Zoom, get on OBX Ninja. If you're using, if you're using anything else for your show, get up on that OBS Ninja. Unless right. you got a, unless you got a wimpy computer and you got like nine guests, then don't do it. It turns out that the shit crumbles. Hey, meltdown. Um, well, anyway, we do know a, a couple people at least, um, who, or at least a couple companies locally who are not so much worried about opening things up again. And one of them, of course, is run by Mark Zuckerberg. And the other one, uh, you know, will get you places as long as you don't mind getting harassed on the way there. Saj Mediterranean restaurants are working hard to keep their food on the minds of customers while they wait for people to return to work. With companies like Facebook, we would provide a promo code that their employees can use while they're at home to order pickup or delivery. Now Saj is preparing for one of its biggest Menlo Park customer bases to return to work. Facebook announced it will start bringing back workers in May. You know, we're very hopeful, very optimistic, and we're very happy um, you know, to see folks coming back into the office. With 17,000 employees, according to City Data, Facebook was Menlo Park's largest employer in 2020 by far. Bay Area tech analyst Tim Beharin, who has been a consultant to tech giants since 1981, says many tech company workers have been urging employers to let them return to their offices. The problem is, of course, you can only do that to some degree, and that's why they're bringing them in 10% at one point. That's Facebook's plan, too. 10% at first, then up to half of its workforce before the end of September. Beharin says other big tech companies are following suit. In our talking with CEOs all over the country, none of them believe that you'll go back, they'll go back to full 100%. He says that should quiet the talk of a tech real estate sell-off. Instead, companies are remodeling to make room for social distancing in both office and meeting settings. The office place now becomes a hub with open, more open spaces for people to come and collaborate. Saj may be seeing some of that already as workers at neighboring tech companies are starting to meet in the office again. We're seeing catering as, as the needle's moving a little bit. Um, you know, we, we do see folks coming back into the office. Facebook says it will continue to monitor COVID numbers and will adjust the reopening schedule if needed. Meanwhile, there is social distancing and face covering rules in all of its offices when it reopens, and some sites will also require weekly COVID testing. In Menlo Park, Tom Jensen, NBC Bay Area News. I mean, okay. So what you, sorry, go ahead. What did you think of the, uh, <clears throat> the creative strategist who looks kind of like a WWE promoter? with the, the chain and the open collared shirt and I don't strange know stuffed animal. I don't know. Like, like when I just got out of, out of high school and was sort of starting to go to some of the parties thrown by some of these tech companies, there are always guys like that kind of, kind of roaming around. I didn't know they were marketing people. I thought they were the mob. <laughs> well, the mob that was behind these, these guys to begin with. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I can't fault, fault a, Facebook or other companies for wanting to bring their, their workers back to the, the hub so that they can keep an eye on them more often. Um, although, you know, I think that 
workers are probably seeing a little bit more uh, independence and a little more, more uh, having a little bit more uh, power, perhaps, and leverage um, having work from home and nothing's really falling apart as far as Facebook's concerned, from what I can tell. They seem to be doing okay. Or, I mean, things didn't change dramatically is what you mean to say. Things are, things are always falling apart over there. Well, things didn't change dramatically at all in terms of how you know, news reports on it. I love how they, every screenshot in that video was like Facebook interface from like 10 years ago. Uh, so they've had the same, the same file footage going on whenever they talk about Facebook for the last 10 years. Um, do you think Zuckerberg's going to be back in the office anytime soon? I don't know. I mean, he's, he's weird. He'd probably be the first one in. Probably have a little bubble going on, right? He'll, he'll, he'll walk around in like a little ball of a bubble. Yeah. Hi guys. How's it going? I mean, I guess like it's good for the little business, the smaller businesses around there, but, uh, oh, fucking a. I mean, I'm just expecting to, you know, I'm expecting to see a big, big crash in commercial real estate. Like once, once, like it's, it probably hasn't happened yet because people probably think that once the vaccine gets going and everybody's uh, back in action, that all the empty properties will get rented up. But I think that's, what's not going to happen. I think that, uh, people being able to work from home is one thing, but like just a lot of like damage has been done to a lot of companies bottom line through all this. There are, you know, Facebook may not be an example and Uber may not be an example, but there are companies where there's huge advantages for them to have their employees mixing, mixing it up together and doing, doing work together, like in the same space. And I probably more like R and D kind of companies, um, like material design sort of, stuff not so much not so much just coding to sell an ad but you know there's that's not all that's here in the bay area there's a lot of research and development here and there's a lot of a lot of that a lot of that stuff on uh when you go down uh first street like past the airport where you don't know the names of any of these companies a lot of these are like r&d firms and i have a feeling a lot of those uh went under during all this because it's just really hard to <clears throat> do that kind of stuff especially if it's material design when you're not able to have all of your staff somewhere like touching the fucking item Maybe not, yep. not, you know, literally touching it, but seeing it and being, being there if when it's being milled or like <clears throat> just, yeah, there's just all kinds of, there's like all kinds of different stuff. Uh, a lot of optics companies that it's kind of hard to work on optics if you can't be there when you, you know, in, inspect the lens that you've made. A lot of prototyping going on, kind of have to be there to do the prototyping. I think a lot of that, I don't think people think about that too much, but I think a lot of small and medium sized businesses are in those fields. And I think a lot of that's not coming back. Um, I don't know. Uh, put all the Facebook people in one place or don't put them all in one place. I don't give a fuck. Just, well, stop, I, I, just I, stop serving me ads for that weird fucking hat that fucking protects me from 5G, all right? It's going to be a mix, I think. I mean, there was a ton of commercial real estate development already in the pipeline. Um, and, a lot, and a lot of it's driven by bigger firms that are, you know, planning these developments out, right? Like Google's coming to downtown San Jose. Adobe's growing in downtown San Jose. There's a new development that allegedly Facebook is going to be moving into in downtown San Jose. So if you have the wherewithal, I think it's, it might, it's probably just going to benefit like your, uh, more of the big boys and the big girls than it is the, uh, it's mostly boys in the tech industry, let's face it, uh, than it is the, the mid and smaller companies. You're right. Um, but North First Street, that's really where San Jose has slated for all their commercial development for the most part outside of downtown. That's, that's where it's happening. Um, so there are, there's a lot in the pipeline that's going to turn that area over. Um, but like you said, I think it's, it's going to be hit and miss. I think you're going to see a lot of those smaller companies go under, but just like Silicon Valley is, I think you're going to see a lot of other companies step up to replace them and, and, uh, and come up to, uh, to take the space. So 
Um, I don't know that it'll be a crash. There'll definitely be an adjustment period for sure. And there already is one happening. Um, and San Jose for one is, is bending over backwards, trying to, you know, they've always been trying to spur commercial development. They're going to probably have to offer even more incentives to, to, and they'll use this as an excuse to, you know, cut the slash the taxes and slash the fees on all these corporations that want to move in just because they, you know, they want the buildings filled and they want the jobs and they want the tax revenue. So that's another, that's another piece that impacts too, not just those little small businesses, but those businesses pay sales taxes up to the city. Um, so the better they do, the better, the more people are shopping in their businesses, the better the city does, the better the municipality does and has, you know, they have more money too. So you're going to see that as well. You're going to see incentives for, for folks to be coming back to work. And frankly, I I mean, I work in a really small group. My team, my team is four people at my, my company or my nonprofit. And, you know, even us, it's getting really tiresome. Like I've only known these people on zoom. We've never actually been in the office or I've never been in the office with them. Um, I've been there for such a short time and I really do enjoy and I think work better in an environment where I'm surrounded by the work and not at home. Um, cause there's too many distractions here for me personally. Um, some people dig it. Anyway, um, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm hoping, I'm hoping for the big crash coinciding with, a some kind of big event happening around here to gain me, uh, some kind of massive listener base so that I might have a proper studio somewhere over there on that North side. That would be fabulous. Yeah. Well, we, we can start look start looking out. Get some CRE people uh, checking it out. I, I have a few records I can give you referrals. That is. Um, well, good. Well, hey, that's that's leading off. So we're coming back. We're kind of coming back. The experts think it's probably a little too quick, but um, I think it is what it is. We're just going to see. The more you hear about the vaccine, the more you hear about the end of the tunnel, the more you're going to see folks slacking off and kind of treating things a little more cavalier but if we see a huge spike again and we all get locked down again everyone's gonna fucking regret themselves and they'll all be bitching about well the government keeps doing this back and forth it's like if we just all followed the damn <laughs> followed the damn uh procedures we might be out of this but well you know not day. to beat this dead horse but uh the <clears throat> Some publication, I, I want to say it was ProPublica, but I think I might have seen it in Scientific American, like the, an article about it. And they've identified like 12 people or organizations on Facebook that are spreading most of the misinformation about COVID and the vaccine. <clears throat> and Facebook just won't fucking remove them. That's it. Like they said something like 65% of misinformation comes directly or indirectly, like from these 12 fucking entities on Facebook. Free speech, Bruce Dave. Free speech. I don't know. I'm in Facebook jail for calling somebody an anti-vaccine cult member. So, well, that's exact. That was exactly the problem right there. You know, you call, you called them out for their bullshit and therefore you go to Facebook jail. Nah, it's just tone. <clears throat> they do a really yeah. good job of policing tone, but not so much content. Sure. And, um, I mean, I don't know. Fuck Facebook. I hope they're the ones that get to go back, get, get to go back to normal last. Cause they fucking, they extended this shit. And some of that body count belongs to them. If you ask me, like speaking of tone oh but don't worry the chan zuckerberg initiative is funding all sorts of covid relief efforts so there's that they could do a massive covid relief effort right now by deleting 12 fucking accounts from their fucking platform <laughs> get on that your next column um uh, somebody well, else hey, already did it shout out to i think it was ProPublica that did the research i, uh, I think I, I hope i'm not getting it wrong but shout out to the people who do that kind of research because even if i had the time and a budget it would i just don't know if i'd be able to do it because it's just so fucking tedious it is. Well, speaking of research, I uh, can't wait to hear what you guys have on Matt Gates on Sunday night. Oh, God. But that's another story entirely. Um, so, hey, we're moving to, uh, mind if we move on to winners and losers? I, I, I mean, whatever. 
I live for this every week because <laughs> there are no winners in this in this world. Although there might be a winner a little later on, but um, even in that story, there's there's a loser. Um, but speaking of the vaccines, um, the good news is everyone's you know sharing it on the gram, right? You're 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 they're posting on the Facebook, they're posting on Twitter about how they got the the vax. And so even like some people I know who are not necessarily the the first in line for these kind of things are getting a little bit of that FOMO. They're like, I want some of that vax that everyone is posting about. I want to be on the gram getting 100 million likes for my vax post. So let's <laughs> see. Let, and that's it happened to me. I get like three likes on any of my Instagram posts. Suddenly I posted about me and the good wife getting the vaccine and we've got 75 likes. So who the fuck knew? Anyway. Getting uh, vaccinated is, for the gram. Exactly. So it's all for the gram. Let's find out more. Right now, all of the available vaccine appointments here at the CVS pharmacy in Campbell are filled. But for those who family have already been vaccinated, it's there's even localish. more motivation to get the shot. What the fuck? As thousands of people in the Bay Area receive the COVID vaccine, some who haven't been able to get the shot are starting to experience FOMO, the fear of missing out. I was really the only adult member of, of the immediate family who had yet to be vaccinated. While his entire family was vaccinated, 45-year-old Rob Cox of San Francisco didn't qualify right. to get the vaccine himself. I felt left out. I felt sort of motivated to figure out how to um, find a way ethically to, uh, to get you know, get my shot, get my vaccine. Finally, after scouring vaccine websites, he was able to volunteer at the Ravenswood Community Medical Center in East Palo Alto on Saturday and received his first dose of the COVID vaccine after his shift. But not everyone will have that option. And as eligibility expands and people start getting back to a more normal life, some people believe the fear of missing out could lead more people to get vaccinated and sooner. Once Rob gets his second dose, not only will he have the same protection as his family, but he says he will also be able to share a greater sense of normalcy with them. We'll spend time with friends who are also vaccinated and, and, and feel comfortable going in their house. Uh, I've, I've got an invitation to, to, to go spend time with my dad on the East Coast in June, and I, I expect to do that. In Campbell, Marianne Favreau, NBC Bay Area News. So would they just pick like a random 45 year old guy from like the, the mission in San Francisco and just fucking interview him? I never know how they get some of these sort of man and woman on the street interviews. Right. I, I, especially now in the, in the, this era of COVID, maybe they like saw a post from him on Facebook and they direct messaged him or I, I don't know, but sometimes I just, it boggles my mind that how they get these folks. I do know that, you know, you can tell when they're live on the scene there are certain types of folks who are just super eager to talk to any camera. Like they'll talk to anybody like, Oh, you want to talk about the meteorite that just hit the earth? Sure. I'll talk about it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't understand how they necessarily find these, these guys, but Hey, it's, I think this is good, frankly, good news. Um, if, if people feel, feel that FOMO, I also think it's great that more of the modern, more of the, uh, the broader populace is learning what FOMO means. Although, We'll have to come up with some new fan, other new fancy terms for the kids to use and feel hip. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think this is a good sign in, in general that uh, that folks are getting this kind of peer pressure. Um, you would hope, right? Because we all, we, you and I both know that there's a pr sizable percentage out there that's just never going to vax, right? They're just not going to do it, right? And hopefully they'll get the vid and they'll, you know, not learn, but they'll at least get their comeuppance. Um, 
But the rest of us, I think it's the, those folks in the middle. It's those folks who are like, oh, no, I don't really know. I might get sick. I don't know if I really should do it. It's going to hurt. Um, I think they're kind of getting over that because they're seeing all the love that people are getting out there for, for getting the vax. So do it for the gram, folks. Do it for the gram. Do it for the gram. And uh, I don't know, fucking tag your anti-vax friend in it. Right. Um, so the winners here, I think, are, uh, you know, us, the, the, the folks who are all about it. Um, the losers here are the ones who are missing out, um, and unfortunately really want to get it, but you can't get an appointment. So that's, that's going to be, I think a problem until we get more supply, unfortunately. So even on the 15th, when it really opens up, I think it's going to be a struggle to, to find, uh, enough vaccines, frankly, but, but it's what it is. And I think, you know, it's, it's a good news. We vaccinated four or we had four thousand four million shots, sorry, given today. I heard in the news earlier, 4 million shots nationwide today. So that's, that's pretty impressive. Well, that's like barely one and a half. That's like barely one and a half percent of the shots we need to fucking put out there. Sure. But you know, in one, in one day, not too, not too oh, shabby. One day. Yeah. Yeah. Today. Oh, fucking hey, never mind. Oh, that's not good. cumulative. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's cumulatively. Yeah. California is around um, 20% total um, vac- like fully vaccinated now. So that's pretty good of the populace. That number, I'm telling you, we got, we're going to have to start watching it when it starts hitting 65% and see if it doesn't just level the fuck off right at 65%. Yeah, I'm wondering where it's going to level off. You still hear reports, actually, of um, some correctional officers and, and uh, the sh- remember we had the sheriffs in Santa Clara County a few weeks ago who were, you know, apparently half of them were not interested in getting, in getting an appointment, even though they were all offered one. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm very curious to see where we, where we hit that, because it's going to be a plateau, right? It's not going to get to 100, so there's going to... I want to know where, where that number is. That's a really good point. Um, well, moving right along, uh, speaking of uh, vaccine FOMO, no. <laughs> um, of course, the pandemic has led to the rise of uh, sort of innovative businessmen and women, um, and street vendors are actually, uh, looks like they're, they're doing pretty well or trying to do pretty well, but they're struggling to, because those businesses are closed, they're struggling to find, you know, audience and customers. So... Apparently, the city of Oakland is cracking down on some vendors who are um, using Lake Merritt as their uh, stomping grounds these days. Good Friday morning to you, quite literally. I'm Laura Garcia. And I'm Marcus <laughs> Washington. First for you, crowds, trash, and traffic jams. We- it's morning, but that guy's backdrop is the fucking nighttime look. Right. <laughs> they, get up, they come on the show at like four in the morning, though, so I'll give them, I'm I'll give them a Garcia. And I'm Marcus Washington. Break. First for you, crowds, trash, and traffic jams. We aren't talking about spring break parties in Miami, but right here at home, Lake Merritt. Well, now Oakland leaders, they've decided to crack down on the crowds. Today in the Bay, Sharon Katsuda, she's live for us this morning to show us what those neighbors are complaining about. Sharon? Laura Marcus, it sounds like they have a lot to complain about about because they say that the traffic is so bad sometimes at Lake Merritt on the weekends that they can't even get their own cars out of their own driveways. This is video shot by our own Melissa Colorado. One neighbor, according to the East Bay Times, says cars are sometimes triple parked in front of his driveway, so he needs to walk blocks away to receive anything from delivery trucks. And the city says emergency responders also have had trouble getting down the snarled Lakeshore Avenue on the weekend, so it could be a safety issue. The city has called for more police presence at Lake Merritt now on the weekends. Vendors can be seen selling alcohol and makeshift underground bars and tents at Lake Merritt. Sounds lit. Trash is a big problem right? after 
nights of partying. Now, at the city council meeting earlier this week, they also discussed ways to provide more structures, such as handing out permits to some of the vendors who are selling goods like jewelry and clothing. But overall, right now, they just want to crack down on the mayhem over the weekends. Reporting live, I'm Sharon Katsuda, Today in the Bay. They need a good DJ, Producer Dave. That's, I was thinking about that. I was like, fuck, you know what they need is music. Just roll up with a bike and a little, you know, setup on the on a, a trailer of your bike. Like bike party style. I think they'd, they'd be down for that. Um, but yeah, the triple parking in, in front of people's houses. Uh, speaking of getting out and opening up a little early, I, um, that's like a COVID fest, if you ask me. Uh, especially if you're talking about alcohol and food consumption. Um so a little mini rave happened over at Lake Merritt. If you're if you're down, if you're down to party, if you're vaxxed, maybe they're maybe they'll let people in if you have a vax uh, passport. That would be that would be cool. Well, but we also know Oakland isn't necessarily the best at permitting and you know sanctioning and overseeing and uh, holding their 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 party venues accountable, as we've covered extensively on this show. So basically, once all the restrictions are lifted, it's going to be a fucking madhouse everywhere. It's going to be amazing. I'm really hoping for the massive street f- like festival, like just shut down everything for a week or just, just a fucking Saturday afternoon and let people go out and fucking drink beer and shit on the street. Like, yeah, seriously. And you have plenty of people out of work that I'm sure wouldn't mind picking up shit after all that, that mess too. So give, give some people a job. Right. Um, so it'll be, it should be a fun time. Should be a fun time. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So it looks like we did but, put a, a winner story on, on the winners and losers this week. Well, you know, it, it's all your perspective. It's all you know, based on your perspective. <laughs> um, so apparently uh, we don't you know, love to shout out the cops uh, on this show, as you all know. Um, but, you know, occasionally one of them are, you know, does something good for the community. Um, and in this case, uh, looks like a cop in Concord in the East Bay was able to save, uh, a young lad from a dangerous situation with some dangerous drugs. The right training and a little luck. That's how police in Concord are explaining the rescue of a two-year-old child. This is a picture of Officer Camo. She was out well, on Friday night when a hey. driver waved him down on Salvio Street. A two-year-old was unresponsive in the back seat of a car. Police say the mother told the officer her baby got a hold of some fentanyl. Officer Kamosh gave the baby Narcan and started CPR until paramedics arrived. The baby, thank goodness, is alive and is now recovering at Children's Hospital in Oakland. The mother of that child has been arrested. You think? Oh God! <laughs> like CPS is all over that shit. Like, oh my God! Uh, what did she say? Like, I don't know where he got the fentanyl. I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. Just, just came across a little fentanyl and got his hands on it. Oh my goodness! Um, that's that's like a parent's like worst nightmare. Um, of course, if you're you know if you're already high on fentanyl, maybe you wouldn't even notice until it was too late. But I mean, good on the officer for doing doing his job. He looked like a handsome fellow. That's what I was saying. Right? Probably around 23-ish. I looked more like 30. Yeah, but uh, very, they had the sexy near beard going on. So see, occasionally, police police do do something. Well, it's, <clears throat> that's like what the cops should do, right? <laughs> like, that's a story of what the cops should do. They, right, and that's, that's like, why it's got, not so much a winner, right? But they, but they got help for the the kid who had the fentanyl and then they arrested the mom for being a fucking the kind of person who would get, like first of all like how does the two-year-old even get the fentanyl 
that's she said got his hands on that's the that was the direct quote from mom was got his hands on some fentanyl so uh obviously some shit went unintended how do do these little kids get their hands on guns right they just they're unintended they're just sitting there she like hold on i'm just gonna put my fentanyl down on my baby for a second i mean like how does the kid get the fentanyl I also don't know, like, to be honest, I am totally ignorant. Like, is fentanyl, it's, is it, do you inject it? Is it a pill? Can you do, is it a suppository? Like, how do you actually take it? It's, it's oftentimes cut with uh, opiates to make them stronger if they're like kind of shit opiates or whatever. And I believe in its street form, it comes in like a, like a powder or like a, like a, like a crystalline form. But I, I don't know for sure. I ain't fucking doing fentanyl. So the kid probably like I don't know got saw a little bag in the back seat of the car thought it was some sugar maybe and did a little dab or I yeah I I, <laughs> I mean it's one of those things where it's like there's more to this story I think than than we heard in the hierarchy of reasons to be arrested when you haven't like assaulted or uh, battered someone fentanyl within reach of your baby is like a put run pretty high on that list of like the hierarchy of reasons to get arrested you know absolutely and definitely not not going to be getting very much sympathy from uh like i said from cps or from the judge when they're when that's heard i mean there's not really much we no. can do to spin that like how do you spin that um so i mean i guess that if anything maybe if they're on fentanyl they're trying to kick something else that's the only possible way i can see this woman being a winner um <laughs> is that she's trying to better herself but yeah, the, the, the massive, massive loser. But um, the baby, I guess, was a winner. He got high and he, he lived to tell the tale. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> He'll have a great story to tell when he's older. Um, Man, then, my, uh, my hope for that kid is that that kid doesn't remember none of that. I'm hoping not. I mean, you, they say that your memories don't really start to form until you're like four years old. So, um, but we shall see. But I mean, again, uh, thank you to the, uh, the officer for doing his job. Um, and if more cops just did their job and didn't, you know, kneel on people's necks or, uh, shoot people in the nuts with rubber bullets, um, you know, we might be a better place out there. It might be a better, better world out there for us. And we don't know whose rights that cop violated immediately before or immediately after this particular scenario either. Let's keep that in mind. Every, no one is perfect. No one is perfect. <laughs> Cesar Chavez used to call illegal immigrants wetbacks. So, I mean. Oh, Wow. Yeah, so I mean that that's kind of that's the way it is. <laughs> and then there's Matt Gates. All right, I'm we're gonna, gonna move on to SF. Get, we're gonna move on to SF. Get your shit together. As, this? Well, back to SF. I love it. There was there was plenty of shit I could have. There was even more stories I could have thrown on here this week from SF. It was just a banner year or banner week for them. So what's our first story? Um, our first story uh, has to do with uh, it's an unfortunate incident. Um, so obviously we've heard a lot about. Um, uh, hate crimes against asian american pacific islanders um but that doesn't mean that um the hate doesn't pan- span all races and ethnicities unfortunately and there was an unfortunate incident at usf university of san francisco um in the student housing there where someone decided they were going to put a display up on their balcony that was not in the best of taste not going to get in better homes and gardens anytime soon is what you're saying no no exactly a disturbing discovery at USF, a noose found hanging on campus. The university is assuring students there will be a thorough investigation, but the Black Student Union wants more. NBC Bay Area's Ginelli is in the city. A USF staff member says a student admits to hanging a noose off a dorm balcony. And she says while the incident is under investigation, some students are so frightened they are now living off campus. I was just immediately sort of shocked and, you know, uncomfortable. 
it really shows that you don't know who you're living next to. Dejanae McLean lives on the third floor of a Loyola apartment campus housing building at USF. Students spotted the noose on a balcony one floor above hers Tuesday afternoon. I do feel like it put me on edge a lot because now every time I walk down um, the stairway, you know, you can sort of just look up and see the balcony in which the noose was placed. USF sent the community an email about the incident Wednesday, letting them know the student who is responsible has been removed from housing. It's a symbol and a, of a history of racial violence, uh, hatred and bigotry. And so as a university community, um, we stand with our black students specifically who are um, being impacted by this event. But the USF Black Student Union says it's not satisfied with how the university handled this racist incident and others. It started a petition demanding the student be identified and expelled from school, calling on USF to do more to protect black students from racism on campus and to notify the community immediately when incidents occur. Out of all the problems that we've had, you know, facing racism at USF, we've never once been in a situation where we felt content with the way that it was handled, with the results of everything. It kind of makes you feel unsafe in your home, honestly. Uh, unsafe to be going back there in general. The university says it will keep students updated on the investigation. Gene Ellie, NBC Bay Area News. What the fuck possesses you to do that? Idiocy. You're a you're. A, I probably should be under winners and losers because that's definitely a loser right there. Um, I'll tell you one thing. I mean, I and this is coming from a white dude, so fucking take it with a grain of salt and all of my privilege. Um, I absolutely think you. You're absolutely right to be afraid and pissed and um offended all of those things at the end of the day though the kind of person who dangles like a little fake noose off of their balcony right without any other sign it just sort of puts it out there right to me i mean it could be a sign of something to come it should be reported it should be dealt with i'm not afraid of that person that person's a coward they're 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 not you know they're weak those are weak people that do kind of do that shit um, so I'm personally not afraid of them, but I'm also not a black woman or a black person or, you know, I, I don't have that lived experience. So I have no right to say that, but that's, that was my first impression when I saw this. I'm like, what a dinky little thing. Like, and who knows, maybe they were like, maybe it was a news to hang like a, an effigy of the, the rival college's mascot or something. And they just forgot to take the news down. Right. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's unfortunate. And, and if, if the BSU is correct and this has happened, this kind of shit's happened before and the university hasn't done enough to, to stop it, it makes me pretty offended with the school. Um, and I'm a Jesuit educated person and this is a Jesuit school. So it's, it, it doesn't seem like it's in their character, but, it, um, to tolerate this kind of shit. Um, so hopefully something gets done. Um, and it's good to see that the students are, are sticking up for themselves. I do feel, you know, awful. Like I would, I, I would definitely think twice about living there for a variety of reasons mostly because i was offended and i didn't want to give the school any more of my money well um, <clears throat> i think that uh, <clears throat> whether or not this person is dangerous might like hinge on some other things are they like part of like little online terrorist cells like are mm -hmm. they you know like what is their what is their social group at school look like do they maybe not have one so they spend all their time on their fucking computer and now they've been like radicalized by you know it's a by you know probably facebook groups and or one of those 11 groups that are you know anti-vax right <laughs> and but spreading all the co anti-covid but like there's there's going to be more there's like more than the single act like it doesn't these things kind of don't come out of nowhere and yeah. so you know 
you live in a progressive place like San Francisco, but that doesn't mean that like your extended social group is going to be like the people you live near that everything's yeah, changed in absolutely. that way. And I wouldn't yeah. be too surprised if this fucking person who did it, I'm going to assume it's a dude, uh, doesn't have very many friends like at school. Right. Had that one little chair on the balcony. It was kind of sad. No plants. Um, but no, I think you're right. And, and if anything, um, you know, we know these, we know these people exist in every situation, in every region, in every city, in every town in America. They, you know, to a greater or lesser extent. And we've covered it here on this show where, you know, we've had these poor, you know, smallest world, smallest violin kind of stories of Republicans and conservatives feeling, you know, oppressed and, and like they can't speak out and they can't be themselves here because it's so progressive and so liberal. So they get canceled. Right. Um, it, uh, it just doesn't, you know, they, they do, they are out there and we have, we have to take them, we have to take it seriously and we have to know that they exist and we have to be vigilant. Um, but I think they feel like a little bit more empowered and emboldened sometimes because of what we've just lived through all of us. Um, and also, uh, because they, they're kind of, they've kind of got that like cornered dog mentality, right? Where it's a very small sect of, of our populace, but they're really tenacious <laughs> and they, um, they're getting defensive because they're feeling themselves getting flushed out and canceled and they're just holding on to dear life to all of their their values and their heritage and their their culture as as they see it so and to some extent um, they suffer from what i've started to call the austin bennett effect do you remember when um austin bennett was shocked that he barely got any votes even though he had this giant facebook following or what he right. thought was like a giant facebook following and so right. the the austin bennett effect there was that he it didn't fucking process process in his brain that when he needs votes in his community, it doesn't matter how many people follow him on Facebook because the vast majority of those people don't live in his community. So when you get right. into these sort of like cult-like or extremist like online communities, some of them have tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of people in them. And so you get this idea that what you are, the, part, the thing that you're involved in and, and your, your sort of ideology and your beliefs and kind of what you want is bigger than it is. Yeah, I, absolutely. Although in Austin Bennett's case, like, you know, he could have had a Facebook group of 6,000 people. If that's the only 6,000 people that vote for you, you're not going to win. <laughs> you're not going to win an election. Um, no, I think, I think you're right. They get this false sense of security from, from being so, um, being able to be so open and brazen and having that echo chamber in a Facebook or another space like that. Um, uh, and it, it emboldens this kind of attitude. Like, I'm just going to put it out there and you know, I'm sure. I'm sure someone else agrees with me, uh, but always know know your audience. Know your audience. Um, so yeah, it's good. Hopefully, the school's doing something about it. They kicked him out of housing. So um, or or she. But yeah, I think you're probably right. It's a dude. Um, but I think I think it does need to go a little further than that. Like I want to know more. I want to know again. I, I feel left wanting to know more about the story. Like what I wanted the motivation, or if there wasn't any motivation, you know, um, what's going to be done. Uh, to prevent and this kind of shit from happening again this person might be like 19 and if there was like some kind of thing where they were like like they had an effigy of an opposing school or they had made an effigy of the dean of the school or whatever that's still like uncalled for but yeah. hopefully if if it's a case like that i i don't imagine it is this the noose is i mean you have to be pretty fucking disconnected from reality to not know that hanging a noose from your balcony is gonna is gonna make people think that you're fucking racist um, what do you mean? Is there some sort of historical connotation to that image? But on the on the off chance that it was something else, hopefully, like fucking this person f learns, even if just one thing that like you don't fucking you don't play with that shit. Like 
don't fucking play. Don't don't do right. that. But I just think the odds of that are like one, maybe one per. It's like one percent around that. But they have to snuff. But you have to snuff this shit out, even if it is some dumbassery like that, right? You need to snuff it out. You need to make a big fucking public example of it too, um, because otherwise you just allow the these folks to be further emboldened and think that they can get away with the shit, right? Just I don't want to tie it to the insurrection, but. Same, same thing right if we weren't if they weren't out there like cracking down and i've heard another one of them assholes got arraigned in court today if they don't crack and crack heads and really um make a public example out of them it's just gonna fucking keep happening right um, right and <clears throat> i just like i keep saying there's only so much that like the court system and the government can do when our yeah when when our main means of communication is controlled by a uh, private companies that tend to tend not to either they tend to have either bad ethics or they want to pretend they don't have any ethics. So they can like right. feign neutrality in, and then you, you know, you end up, you end up neutral on like certain matters and then like the wrong side wins because you had the power and you didn't like even put your thumb on the scale in any sort of significant way. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I, that's I, I don't know what happened here. I would be shocked. Like just, I mean, <clears throat> I'm not at a college, right. But I would be shocked if I was just walking through my neighborhood and somebody had a, uh, a news hanging from their balcony yeah i mean shit, i'm shocked when i walk around my neighborhood and i see a trump sign right so it's <laughs> uh it, anyway but i think that's it's why it's important that shows like this exist and we have a listener and a viewer um and that the work that you do producer dave on a regular basis to call this this crap out um even if it gets you thrown into facebook jail i think it's really important um <laughs> because uh we have to for folks that have no shame you know, they can be shamed, but it's not really so much them as it is all of the other folks who do have some shame who might be radicalized or might follow along with the leader in those situations and might think twice because they've seen the shaming go on. They don't want, they don't want that right for themselves. So I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to, we're going to find out that this is somebody importance kid. That's just, I'm, we're, I'm just making that school. prediction. I don't have any evidence. It's, it's just it's a private school off the cuff. We're just going to, yeah. maybe we'll find out that that was somebody importance kid. It costs a lot to live in this housing, right? And it's a private school. It costs a lot to go there too. So um, uh, we shall we shall see. It could be who knows. Maybe it's a scholarship kid. But um, so speaking of San Francisco, <laughs> they've got all sorts of shit happening right now. Um, I don't know if you got into this last week because um, this story popped up initially some weeks ago. But um, this is around the uh, sort of the stop Asian hate um, uh, movement that's happening out there. Um, a lady on the San Francisco school board who happens to be black um, apparently had some things to say on Twitter a while back that now in retrospect aren't looking so hot in the current context of things. So she got herself um, not kicked off the board. Um, she didn't resign, but she got stripped of her committee assignments and pretty much censored or censured by the, uh, the rest of her board. Uh, and she wasn't having it. So she's actually suing the district for damages the reason why they pick it on her because that's not her because she's a black woman with power dozens of people rallying around embattled san francisco school board member allison collins tonight that school board in the darkness of light night trying to hide their evil deeds yes. took her from her seat yes. and stripped her of her committees yes. that was a lynching. A lynching, her supporters say, over a Twitter thread she posted in 2016. Those tweets included statements against Asian Americans that some say were racists. 
tweets she posted before she held public office and thoughts she put on social media as a mother. Collins is suing the school district and five board members who supported a no-confidence vote last week against her, stripping her of her vice president's title and committee posts. She feels retaliated against and stripped of her civil rights. She is seeking over $70 million in damages. I am a black woman. I'm a mother. I'm an educator. All of these legacies mean that I have no choice but to fight. So don't lie to me because it's politically correct in this environment to, to stand in solidarity with the Asians because there's violence. Yes, there's violence. Our hearts are breaking. But don't throw another person of color under the bus for your political career. Parents and one state politician disagrees. For her to seek $72 million from a cash-strapped district that she led into fiscal crisis is very irresponsible and very disappointing. How a school board member could be so self-absorbed uh, to, to file this kind of lawsuit is outrageous. Allison Collins needs to drop the lawsuit she needs to resign from the school board, and we need to get our kids back to school. Collins's attorney says the school board has a week to call a special session to rescind its vote. Cheryl Hurd, NBC Bay Area News. I'm no, I don't know. What do you think? This should have been under winners and losers, actually, as well, or it fits appropriately, since this section kind of spawned out of winners and losers. There are fucking all losers in this this scenario, honestly. Um, do I think she should have been canceled for some tweets she posted like two or three years ago talking about tiger moms and other shit? I didn't see, and I mean, again, white dude, I didn't see anything in there necessarily warranting, you know, the cancellation. Um, so I think that the, frankly, the school board probably overreacted a bit, um, given the time, you know, uh, just like that one young lady said, you know, given the context we're all living in, right? Everyone wants to look woke. Everyone wants to be on the right side of history. Um, so you're seeing a lot, uh, I think, of uh, itchy trigger fingers out there. That said, you know, she she's not handling this at all well. She hasn't handled it well from the beginning. She pretty much doubled down and, and dug her heels in. Instead of doing what you, Producer Dave, the ultimate consultant of the future, um, have said before, it's the easiest thing to do. Just fucking apologize. I'm fucking sorry right and it's over it's over there's no and get on with the business of, of the school district and uh you know do your job right now i i disagree that the that this one woman was responsible for running the school district financially into the ground that's a team effort starts at the state level um and it goes to all the school board members and everyone in the administration um i also disagree with scott weiner jumping into this because uh you know he, he i feel like his name's come up agenda. before He's he's a he's very big proponent for um for housing and affordable housing and 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 uh, that's generally his wheelhouse. I don't know how how or why he got involved on this issue. Um, he's right in that I think that the other loser in this, the actual school board member, should not be suing the district for seventy two million dollars over this. Like there's there are other ways to resolve this. Um, and yes, seventy two million dollars would be a huge if she was awarded that seventy two million dollars, which I don't think she will be. That would be a huge hit to that school district. That's a big, big, big chunk of the budget. That's like school closures we're talking about. So, um, I, but I disagree with him getting involved and saying that she she should resign. Or I mean, I I grant him that she's she's you know going overboard. Um, but then he drops in that last little thing like we need to get our kids back in school. Um, he's just using it as an opportunity to to grandstand. So he's a loser too. Right. Um, so everyone everyone in this is losing, and the fucking kids are losing the most because 
you know, everyone's distracted by this bullshit when our kids are, you know, forget distance learning, forget any of that. Just look at the numbers in general. Kids are struggling, right? Especially kids in, uh, in public schools um, who are underfunded and not getting the support they need, no matter if they're in the classroom or not in the classroom. The reason parents want kids back in the classroom, we're going to get to this in a second in another district in this, uh, in the East Bay. The reason why parents want kids in the class primarily is because it's disrupted their lives to have the kids home all the time and to have to school their kids and to have to actually take an active interest in educating their kids. Um, and so, you know, having them back in the class or out of the class, they're, they're going to be struggling regardless. Right. Um, so to me, it's like everyone in this situation is losing, especially the kids because no one's focused on educating them. Everyone's talking about this, you know, one side of this issue or another, um, cancel culture or whatever the opposite of that is. And, uh, it, it's it's just not doing anyone any good and it's taking up time on the news but then again it makes great fodder for this show so i was glad we had the video so <clears throat> i'm for like a like a version of this where there's just like some accountability and some some responsibility and then some forgiveness yeah. because if this was many years ago all that happens these things come out she goes oh yeah man i shouldn't have tweeted that uh, you guys yep. have the screenshots are going to live forever but i went back myself i deleted those tweets they don't represent my views anymore you know, and, um, sure. you know, if you choose to take me off of these committees, you know, that's, you know, what you're going to do. I wish you wouldn't, because if you look at everything I've done, you know, in the intervening years, there's been, you know, I've not, you know, that, that kind of stuff didn't come up again, you know, please feel yeah. free to look at my Twitter, that kind of stuff. Like you could just like, it's just so much better to do that. Cause then if you end up getting fucked over, at least you tried to like do the right thing instead of like, like complaining immediately, you know? Yeah. And you can point to that too, right? And she was, you know, at the time she was a feisty parent and I've heard, I've heard some spicy parents say some spicy ass shit in school board meetings or right in, in plain, plain day, plain public and plain words on video, not even on their Twitter feeds, right? I don't even have these parents even have a Twitter feed. Um, but, you know, I've, I've heard a lot worse, frankly, from, from parents and they haven't, they also haven't run for school board. <laughs> But they haven't been canceled either. So, so somebody um, in chat was just saying that in in this cancel culture, forgiveness is hard to come by. I just don't see, like I don't see any of the, a lot of these stories about cancel culture where people go and ask for forgiveness for a mistake. Like, you know, it's no, yeah. I don't under, like You're so right. like I don't know if that forgiveness is a thing that exists or not because we don't. That's actually not how the conversation goes, and it's you know nobody nobody ever. Yeah, it's it's just people just dig their heels in and it's like, yeah. well, sometimes actually you're wrong and that's all. And then you right. can just have been wrong and now you're not wrong anymore and that's fine. Or sometimes nobody's right, right? Sometimes there's just, there's, you know, uh, there is no, you know, there's a, there's a lot of gray area or um, there is no like moral justification on either side, right? And it's, it really is, I think it's incumbent on everyone to recognize those moments as opportunities to learn, not just to teach and to bitch and to moan and, and, and to to call this shit out obviously but to have a dialogue and to do what we should do as a society we're given this great gift of being able to to do this kind of work right and to 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 communicate and to collaborate i mean most animals most species on earth don't even don't have anywhere near that cognitive ability and yet we do and we squander it all the time by just going back to our basic instincts um to attack right and to bite each other's heads off well, so, I mean, um, in, in this whole cancel culture thing, who would have thought the violent Jay of the fucking insane clown posse would have been the voice of reason? Recently, somebody asked him about homophobic lyrics in early insane clown posse music, 
And he said, right. oh, you know, I talked to my daughter about this and I told her not to defend me and not to apologize for me just to tell people that I was wrong then and I'm right now. Yeah. You know, I have learned. I have grown. Right. We also have that capacity, too. Um, so I think we all do a lot better to embrace that and to remember that um, when these things happen. But I and can't believe un- like like I'm just saying that like the, the juggalos like I mean, fucking the juggalos. But um like just imagine like 10 years ago or 15 years ago, like I ran a page on Facebook that got pulled down and it was called the juggalo sterilization project because I like really thought it was like a bad thing. I was like, this seems scary. And, but who would have thought 10 years ago that that guy was just the one with the absolute right take when he's his fucking music that anybody could go download and listen to has like, says bad things about fucking gay people. And he's like, no, those were wrong things to say, whether or not it was my music. And that's what I tell my daughter. Like time heals all time heals all. And some fucking, then everybody was like, "Oh, fucking rock on, Violent J," because that's fuck. That's the right take. She, she could have right. just been like, "Oh, I was wrong then. The things I was yeah. saying were wrong." And, and so I'm not like wrong said, in that way anymore. And yeah. you're just gonna have to get, I guess, trust me on this. But you'll also yeah. see it through my behavior and my actions going forward. Now let's get yeah. to, let's get back to business. Let's do our jobs. Let's fucking get back to uh, the dais and do our jobs and, and get this district on track, right? Instead of trying to rename every school, like let's let's take a step back and focus on what's most important. So um, hopefully they will, but and hopefully they will in Fremont too, because we're going to move down ballot. Uh, speaking of angry parents, um, down ballot watch this week uh, focuses in on Fremont Unified School District, where they've recently announced they are not going to be coming back for in-person learning this school year. And the parents are not happy about that. They were really in, looking forward to their time off for good behavior. Among parents and students this evening, after news, Fremont schools will remain closed for the rest of the school year. KPIX5's Andrea Borba is in Fremont, where the district and the teachers failed to reach a deal. Andrea? Well, and Ken, that is this behind me is the result of all of that. This crowd has been out here since 3.30 this afternoon here on Paseo Padre, chanting, protesting, begging to be let back into classrooms this school year. Let our kids go back to school! Standing in front of the Fremont Unified District Teachers Association, parents and students are begging to go back to the classroom. You know, the scapegoat in this whole um, scenario is the kids and um, uh, being the grown-ups here, I think we should um, reach a common ground. They say over a year of distance learning is no longer working and kids are suffering academically and socially. They're hiding in the closet all the time, just playing when the Zoom conference is going on. The elder one is a little bit more responsible, but the younger one is not doing fine. She's in elementary and I'm worried about her. She's falling behind. In, in. After negotiating since October, the district and teachers union did not reach a deal to get kids back on campus this school year. And unfortunately, we weren't able to come to a common agreement on how to do that. And we are running up against a very short timeline of days left in the instructional year. And that's why we shifted our energy and attention to trying to find alternative ways to bring our students to campus. Among the reasons, teachers wanted more money for working extra hours required for a hybrid model. Specifically for first through the fifth and sixth grade teachers in elementary, the district was asking that an additional number of hours be done each week so that they would be teaching in person or online throughout their regular workday, but also need to do the additional hours of preparation for distance learning. Jamie Phillips is a parent who also teaches kindergarten at Harvey Green Elementary. She says it's safe and time to get back to a classroom. Uh, Disneyland is opening, but we have no 
guarantee that our schools are going to be opening even in the fall. So it's time to stop the nonsense. Now, the superintendent says he is very confident that schools will reopen to full in-person instruction in the fall. This crowd here says they certainly hope so. Live in Fremont tonight, Andrea Borba, KPIX5. How many days are even left in the fucking school year? Probably in the neighborhood. I mean, school days, probably in the neighborhood of like 25 to, I'm sorry, not 20, uh, 40 to 50. I mean, if, if you're going into June, right? Um, right. So not, not a whole lot, probably much less than like 30% of the school year is left 180 day school year um so it's it, you know it, it, if anything i think a lot of these i think a lot of these districts are rushing back to some extent and frankly like i don't know how much good it's going to do mentally for these kids to come back in this sort of limited way right um when they're not going to be all in the classroom together they're going to be they're going to be separated they're going to be wearing masks there there's going to be a lot of regulations and they're not going to be fully open. They're not going to have, no one's going to have a hundred percent students back. It's not going to be like it was before right now. Right. So I don't know how much they're going to necessarily benefit from it anyway. And frankly, if they need their social emotional wellness, like if they have friends already, I hope they, you know, if the kids that don't have any friends, the kids that are getting bullied, like it's going to be just as bad for them at school as it is out of school. The kids that do have friends, I guarantee you, I know them. I know I'm where I work with teenagers all the time through my, my work and my volunteerism they're adjusting to this just fine trust me i mean there's there's just as much mental health um just as many issues out there as there are when we're in school um and if you have friends you're finding ways to hang out with them and to be around them and to have that social uh that social connection i don't think it necessarily has to come from school i think specifically it's like special ed kids those you know the kids that are in in those courses and in those programs like they they need that kind of structure they need that kind of space they need to be they do need to be there to some extent because even their parents can't be expected to really be able to deal in those situations um but it's it's really telling to me that this protest is happening outside of the teachers union and not the school district right it's obvious who the parents blame they blame the teachers even the parent who is a teacher blames the teachers and blames the union it always comes back to that when at the end of the day they are there to protect their people they're there to make sure that their people get have rights and have uh you know good working conditions they have good salaries they're getting paid for the hours they work if any of these parents who probably have day jobs if any of them were asked to work more hours or to do more work right or to work overtime you think they wouldn't be demanding more pay they wouldn't be and teachers get paid shit already right so the fact that they're parents are complaining because teachers are trying to look out for each other and to look out for them uh, and to get, you know, get what they deserve and what they earn is just ridiculous um, because we don't pay them enough as it is. And these are the same parents who would vote down a parcel tax, who would vote down a bond, who would vote down more funding for schools if it came out of their tax dollars. Right. Um, so it, to me, it's a big, big mess of hypocrisy. <laughs> um, and they're targeting the teachers when it's really the administration that's probably dragging their heels and not not coming to the table and not doing more to support those teachers. Like if they had a better relation, working relationship, they would have figured something out by now. The yeah, that's kind of, that's seen, kind of what I was going to say too. The teachers you know? are probably like kind of in the middle of some <clears throat> saber rattling that the, the unions and the, the, the administrators or the, the school district have probably been doing for fucking the last 30 years or whatever. By the way, that's what they're supposed to do. Okay? Yeah. They're supposed to be adversarial. Yeah. The, the labor union and the bosses are supposed to be adversarial. Absolutely. And, and but there are some districts like, you know, um, San Jose Unified is a decent example. They have a pretty decent relationship between their administration and their teachers. And it shows in that they were able to come to 
an agreement that it worked out for everyone. And now they're bringing their kids back in a couple of weeks, right? And they're going to have a little end of year, you know, in-person celebration. Um, but really, I think the teachers, the parents, everyone's caught up in this big political game of like, we need to reopen the schools, right? Um, because there's so much pressure on the politicians. There's so much, at the state level, there's so much pressure on these administrators and on the teachers to bring everyone back simply because there's just so much, because people are just tired of being home, right? And they're tired of dealing with all the shit that's gone on and they're tired of making the sacrifices, right? Um, and they're caught, everyone's caught up in the middle. And once again, who gets fucked? It's the kids. The kids are getting fucked. No matter what happens here, the kids are getting fucked. So I really wish that um, instead of listening to the parents or the teachers or the administrators, someone actually went and asked like on these, these reporters, the kids and not the ones that are at the rally that are getting dragged there by their parents and told what to say, like go find some actual students and talk to them about what they're going through, right? Talk to them about what they want. Because if you ask the students, guaranteed, it's not, it's not overwhelming the ones that want to come back. There's just as many students um, I know that are afraid to go back to school and don't want to see it become like Disneyland and wide open, right? Um, and would rather finish the year at home, even if they're seniors, right? And these are kids who are graduating. They, they're, they, normally, this would be the, the best time of their lives, quote unquote. Um, seniors don't even want to fucking be at school anyway. There was that thing that right? they used to call senioritis. They're like, you're right? like, oh, I happened to miss Tuesday. I didn't notice. <laughs> I just, you know, like I said, like there's just, I think there's just, I would put it out there that there's just as many problems with mental health um, issues with students and with you know social disorders and with um, anxiety disorders as there are when we're in person right um, we're not doing a good enough job of treating them to begin with count you know school counselors are like the most um, uh, just uh, wildly reduced petition it's one of the first reductions in any sort of staff when you see it is is arts teachers and counselors the people who actually can help kids through this stuff are the ones that are in highest demand and we don't have enough of them and we don't fund that so um if anything we need to make a greater investment in that long term forget like right now right um this is just it's just um it's not exacerbating i don't even think a problem it's just exposing problems that already existed because frankly parents most parents just could ignore it right and most of us in the general populace could just ignore it because it was sort of happening over there right if we weren't parents it was something that wasn't happening to us at all if we didn't have kids right um and if we were it was sort of something where it's like well like send them to school and they come back and they're learning and great you know i'm not really and, and they were more checked out of their kids lives now their kids are around all day so they get to see what their kids are going through and maybe their kids are going through some shit and they don't know how to fucking deal with it because they never had to before and they're like and they don't want to and some of them do don't right yeah i um, think that i think that to some extent parents being exposed to their kids more will start to notice that maybe their their son or daughter has anxiety or seems <laughs> to be suffering with depression or something like that. Whereas <clears throat> when they were at work all day and their kids were at school all day, and even like during the summer when their kids were home, they were still at work. Maybe they just weren't around to really notice like the little things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if anything, I, I, it could be a blessing in disguise that this is, that this is happening and that they're, they're, they're able to see this now. I just don't get the sense that I know a lot of, I, I don't like to put the, the broad label across it, but there's so many people out there. It looks, it just feels like they treat their kids as a vanity project, right? Or having kids in general as some sort of like obligation or, you know, life, life, like for the gram, they, they have kids for the gram in the greater scheme of things. Right. I I sincerely think that there are people out there that just do it because it's the thing to do and they don't want to be left out. Um, and, but then they realize, oh shit, it's a lot of work raising a kid. It's a lot of work to make sure that your kid doesn't grow up to be 
you know, someone who runs into a supermarket with an AR-15 and shoots people, right? You actually have to work at this. Um, and they're realizing it now, and they're realizing how much they've abdicated that role to teachers, and they're pissed, right? And they, But instead of, like, supporting the teachers, they take it out on the teachers. <laughs> and that one woman who said that the kids are the scapegoat had, like, I, that was poor choice of words, I think, but, like, the kids are not the scapegoat. The kids are the victims in this right. whole thing. Right, the kids are... Shit rolls downhill, right? Yeah, they're making the teachers the scapegoats, not not the the, uh, the kids are the victims. Anyway, well, hopefully we do get this sorted out, and I really do hope that schools are back open in the fall. Um, but I do think that some of us are rushing because it's just it's it's a political hot potato right now, and no one wants to be on the the bad side of parents because they vote, frankly. So, um, well, uh, speaking of cancel culture, which we got into a little bit earlier, um, <laughs> another another down ballot story. I was really glad this popped up on video because I was worried this was just going to be a blog story. Um, let's just play this, this story and clip and we'll see what, what's going on. But there was some cancel culture going on in Santa Clara. City council member who wanted to speak during a Stop Asian Hate rally was told he couldn't. And he's Asian. KPI XY's Marie Medina spoke to the council member tonight. Today's Stop Asian Hate rally in Santa Clara was hosted by the city's mayor and My name is Kathy Watanabe. Council member Kathy Watanabe. But it's not the rally making headlines tonight. It's what Watanabe said instead. I was shocked but not amazed that, that this happened. Kevin Park, who is also a Santa Clara council member, says he asked Watanabe if he could speak at the podium after a list of others had their chance. Watanabe's response was recorded on a Facebook live stream of the event. No, I, I'm sorry. No, this is my event, so that's okay. Thank you anyway. Thank you for being here. I appreciate the support. Park says he learned of the meeting yesterday and RSVP'd as a maybe. Still, he doesn't understand why that would mean he wasn't allowed to speak. After all, he says he's the only Korean-American on the council. It was about unity. It was about um, togetherness and, and openness and solidarity, and I feel that the actions... Uh, hijacked the, you know, the theme. Maria, were you able to reach Councilmember Watanabe tonight to get her side of what happened? Yeah, Liz, Watanabe didn't want to go on camera, but she did release Imagine a that. statement explaining the rally only had a permit to run for an hour and there was only enough time for the scheduled speakers. Now, in the same breath, Watanabe says if Park had said he was coming, she would have added him as a speaker. Mm. Liz? All right, Maria, thank you. This is just a reminder to everyone who's uh, marking interested on that Facebook event. Shit or get off the pot. <laughs> well, <laughs> otherwise you might not get to speak. Well, this took like, nothing happened. They had an event. They had a list of speakers. Somebody showed up, wanted to speak. The person whose event it was didn't just say, oh, you know, we're out of time. You know, if we have another event, we'd, you know, we'd like to have you come speak. You know, make sure you reach out to me before the event. Boom, you're done. No problem. Yeah. Can I drop some serious knowledge on you on this one? Yeah, sure. Uh, unfortunately, this is not very video friendly, but um, the good wife and I have this on good authority. Uh, so when Kevin Park ran for city council last year, uh, you have to go through endorsement processes with certain organizations, right? You fill out questionnaires um, and occasionally stuff gets brought up uh, by opponents um, that you have to answer to. Well, Kevin Park has a couple, at, le at least uh, two, if not more, um, domestic violence complaints against him um, on behalf of his wife. Um, and hasn't, 
you know, been formally charged, right? Um, but had uh, police reports are all on file. He was asked about this by a woman's group that in, that was uh, considering him for an endorsement or for support. Um, and his response in email, in written form, was that um, it's a cultural thing. Oh, bad it's news! It's a cultural thing. So yeah. nobody to root for. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, <laughs> so let's remember: all your heroes are trash, and <laughs> and uh, not everything is as it seems. So, um, but one thing that is as it seems is that we have a uh, an amazing vice president who happens to be from the Bay Area. Um, she a cop, but uh, but she is the VP now, uh, our first black female VP, and she's coming back. She's coming back to the hinter to the homeland. And uh, Raj Matai has the story. Home. Vice President Kamala Harris will be in Oakland next Monday. She's going to focus on water infrastructure and small business relief. No word yet of exactly where or when the events will be held. The Oakland visit will be at the tail end of her trip here to California. The vice president and her husband are flying to L.A. tomorrow. She'll stay there in Southern California through Easter Sunday. Are you excited for the vice president? Nope. No? Are you gonna, you're not going to be out there cheering her on? When Air Force Two lands? No? No. Oh. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I do like that California's getting more more pub. I do like that uh, Joe Biden is putting her out there quite a bit on a lot of really prominent fronts um, and definitely like trying to stand by her. I don't know how much of that is, you know, trying to look woke and, and, and in the moment or how much of it is he's like, you know, old <laughs> and uh, he may not make it to the next election. So he needs to make sure that uh, his vice president is ready to go. Um, but you know, I think it's, it's, uh, it's a good thing for, for us in the Bay Area and California, frankly, in the long run that she's in that space. Um, but yeah, I'm also not going to be out there, uh, rallying generally speaking. I, I might be, we'll see if it, if it disrupts traffic. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think a lot of people will go out. <clears throat> I think a lot of people are just going to stay in because people are supposed to stay in. And I, I don't know. I don't think it'll be a, I don't think it'll be a big thing. I don't know though. Really well, that was like a preview. So we'll see, we'll see more of what happened um, next week. Like they said, they haven't finalized any of, well, I'm sure they have finalized all the locations. They're just not letting people know because that's just security. That's the secret service. Um, so speaking of which, uh, <laughs> we're going to uh, take, take a look at uh, another thing, I think now. And uh, speaking of parties on the street and raves and DJs needed, um, there's a apparently a little party that's been happening every morning uh, during the pandemic that if y'all are interested, if you got a little uh, hokey pokey in you, you might, you might want to join in. Yeah, this is uh, no, this is going to be our feel good story for the week, I suppose. <laughs> well, remember the eight o'clock howl or driveway cocktail hours where they will all the rage at the beginning of the pandemic. And as the months dragged by, many of those gatherings seem to lose a little bit of steam. But on the peninsula, a daily party keeps dancing along. Garvin Thomas has tonight's Bay Area proud. One year into this pandemic and there are so many new routines we can't wait to get rid of. Like keeping our masks on, and our distance from each other. But at the San Mateo Highlands Rec Center this past weekend, a group of neighbors actually threw a party for the anniversary of their pandemic routine. They've been dancing the hokey pokey together at 4 p.m. every day for 365 straight days. 
None of us thought when we started it would be 365. Lynn Cameron came. I think they were out there drunk and decided to play the hokey Serious pokey. Serious must have been. Somebody put on the hokey pokey. While staying close to home. And just do the hokey pokey. Everybody knows the hokey pokey. <laughs> Don't remember the Macarena, but we remember the Hokey Pokey. Hey, I remember the Macarena. Still, what started out as a bit of a lark has become so much more to this group. Diane Weitzel says early on in the pandemic, the Hokey Pokey was the thing that got her out of bed and dressed every day. Oh, please. We have been sticking together and... and out of bed at 4 p.m. Help each other through it through spring, summer, winter, and fall, through rain, wind, and you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. Yes, even That's under smoke-filled skies, they came out and danced. One bit of guaranteed human interaction in the Oh, it's day, on Halloween, too. No matter Aww. what the day. Throw up. Christmas Day, I, I had my dinner home alone, but we had the hokey pokey group before that. Eva Wazen has lived next door to many of these people for decades, but has never felt closer to them. I think it's a way of connecting. It's one more layer of connecting, perhaps, than, than, than we have done. Maybe a deeper connection that we've had before. The group promised each other early on that they'd keep their dancing streak going until the pandemic was over, but they still haven't defined what that means. It seems while everyone is indeed in a rush to be done with all the bad things from the past year, they want to still hold on to the good. Because in life, isn't that what it's all about? Garvin Thomas, NBC Bay Area News. They're not socially distanced. It's those moments that people will never forget about this. Pandemic. And you were just saying. Oh my goodness. I feel like we covered that story a while back or something when it first hit I, I seem to remember that no i think we covered things about like people's driveway like fucking drink drinking drinking parties or whatever you know right, what i'm saying right across the street like a, hey how's it going cheers yeah no for sure um have you ever done the hokey pokey producer dave i mean i've been a child yeah have you done the horizontal hokey pokey it's been longer than it should have been but it hasn't been that long we gotta call that conquered cop Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> no. I mean, he cute, but he's all the way in Concord. That's true. It's kind of a drive and kind of a drag. But they've got Bart, right? You can take Bart. I mean, sure, but that's a it's long line. Bart ride. It's the end of the line, or it used to be at least. Well, um, uh, one more thing under another thing this week. Um, this and this actually harkens back to something we covered a few weeks ago when they two were moving. A big, two weeks ago was it? Man, that's super recent. Uh, so a few weeks, a couple weeks ago, we saw an old Victorian get moved about a quarter mile in uh, San Francisco to make way for development. Well, lo and behold, it happened in San Jose. Apartment building is putting down new roots at a new address. ABC7 was in San Jose as crews moved the Palacent apartments yesterday. And you can see the building on a giant dolly being trucked to its new home about 900 feet away. So now it's located at the corner of 4th and Reed Streets. Habitat for Humanity is planning to refurbish this 111-year-old building and then convert it into affordable housing. One woman says it was worth the trip from Menlo Park to see this happen. It's a wonderful thing on all sorts of levels. It's preserving a wonderful old building. <clears throat> it's going to go to a good use. 
everybody got together to work this out. It's just a win-win-win. And then look at this time lapse. It shows the building being backed into its new lot. And although the whole process took about three hours. The lady who came out from Menlo Park had some of the COVID boards. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, she was the boredest person in Menlo Park. She's like, wait, they're moving a house. Oh, I got it. Maybe she's a house moving aficionado and she just goes wherever the houses are being moved. I mean, this happens quite a bit. It's not super uncommon. Um, super rare but yeah this is this is a great this actually i can i know a little bit of the backstory here um, just from my um my volunteerism and my other uh duties um so a new high-rise is being built down by a uh, 280 and uh south first street in san jose and this is a building that was adjacent to the the site and they wanted to they were going to demolish it to make room for the the new project but uh the local councilman and the developer um and uh, the community and the preservation council and other folks got together and said, let's figure out how we can, you know, make this work and get this and keep this historic building um, afloat, literally. So uh, good news. It got moved down to Fourth Street and read where the, the freeway entrance is. So whoever's living in this is going to have cars going by in all hours of the night. But um, at least uh, the building you know, remains and it's going to be used to do what it was supposed to do, which is house people, which, which is great. Um, I can't say that the housing in the new high rise is going to be very affordable, but it well, we'll is what see. it is. They're, they're supposed to have a rooftop like pool and uh, some sort of, um, you know, uh, neon signage that's going to look really fun from the freeway. I don't know, some, some bullshit that they use to sell this to the city. But anyway, uh, progress, progress, progress. Well, progress. Well, I think that's it for the, the regular docket for this evening. Um, you got anything going on special in the, the aftermath? Um, <clears throat> been too busy for conspiracy bingo in the afternoon. So kind of all the stories I've been collecting for that. Oh, uh, nice. Usually they're going to start ending up after the show. Um, I don't know. You know, at 1 a.m. or something, we're going to just end up in the fucking galaxy brain humidor like we always do. As per usual. Well, thank you once again for sharing the dials with, with me, Producer Dave. I had a glorious time returning to the show and looking forward to next week when I'm sure there'll be even more local derp that we can dig into. Uh, are you looking forward to anything this this week on the local scene? Mm. Oh, we have a Tuesday night local love. We have a Dan Vado of Art Boutique coming on to talk about event Fabulous. production and promotion uh, during during a pandemic and what Ooh. he thinks it looks like going forward for Art Boutique and other venues that are maybe sim similarly situated there'll be an interview he'll be on for hour one of local love nice tuesday night 9 p.m pacific and then uh but no other than that i mean i don't know i might go get a hamburger on the avenue i'm getting me a haircut on monday so oh good hopefully my, my barber got vaccinated and i'm i'm half vaxxed so hope <laughs> i'll wear a mask but ho hopefully everything will be okay he dude poor dude was so lonely he called me <laughs> when is your, like, when your barber your ever call you like do you need a cut i'm back um so it, like think about it though barbers right they are like that's like they love cutting hair right but the biggest part of their job is like talking you know gossip cheese may you know finding out what's going on in the community he starts asking me about all these like politicos in the community because he knows i'm connected and he's like <laughs> i haven't cut anybody's hair in so long i have no idea what's right. going on i don't know what's going on in the, out there in the neighborhood so um it'll be great to get back and i'll get to hear all his cheese may and all his all his gossip so um maybe we'll find out some i'll have some more stories for you next week but um it was good seeing you as always. And um, what do we got to lead us out tonight? The devil from California by the Rebels camp. All right. Well, um, 
we have a million songs on this this here station and 99.9 percent of them are rebels camp and everybody uh listening watching live or whatever uh just hang out i'll be back with red light peace out yeah. dude.